0: Good morning, happy Easter Sunday morning to you this morning. We're going to open up uh, with a song this morning and immediately following that we're going to ask you to stand for worship this morning and immediately following this song we have a small video before the scripture and prayer we want to show you. But let's stand together. How many believe and and, and, and truly are excited to know that Jesus still is alive today? This song simply just says, hallelujah, Jesus is alive. Death has lost its victory. The grave has been denied. Jesus lives forever, and he's alive. So let's worship together. your attention to the screens as a short video will be played. You may be seated just for a few moments.
1: He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well frame of wisdom, he's a doorway of deliverance, he's a pathway of peace, he's a roadway of righteousness, he's a highway of holiness, he's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough. Is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You see, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees.
0: morning, do you believe that's the King we serve today? He is the all-sufficient King. We remain standing for Scripture and prayer this morning.
2: This morning, at the, <clears throat> I read this this morning at the uh, sunrise service, and you missed a great service if you missed sunrise service. But It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, See the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Do we run to tell others that Jesus is alive? Do we run to tell them that he is the Alpha and the Omega? Do we run to tell him that he is everything? That he can answer prayer that he can heal the sick that he can do all those things if we'll only believe let's go to the lord in prayer this morning kind heavenly father we do thank you and praise your holy name that you are a risen lord lord we thank you for you answering prayer we thank you for being with us and helping us leading us and guiding us lord we thank you for the services you've given us already today the services we're getting ready to have lord we thank you for touching our hearts touching our minds touching our bodies Lord, for giving us strength to carry on for everything that you do, Lord. We thank you. pray that you'll continue to be with us today, be with the pastor as he delivers the message this morning, Lord. Have it be the words you would have us to hear to carry your kingdom forward, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's remain standing and worship the Lord again this morning.
3: search the world.
0: Father, we come before you today. Lord, we commit this entire song service into your care before we break the bread of life. But we know that it's nothing we can do. We couldn't have bought it. We couldn't have saved ourselves, but it's only by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) And we worship you today, Lord. God, I pray as we get ready to unearth the golden nuggets of truth in your word today that you would speak to our hearts you would open eyes hearts and ears to hear your word not because i am a man of eloquent speech but because you are a god of incomprehensible measures and power god i ask you hide me behind the cross today so that truly this easter sunday you are seen high and lifted up not on a cross but a resurrected Savior. You might have died, but you didn't stay there long. And you might have been dead, but you rose again. And just like the old song says, he didn't stay dead, and you certainly won't stay gone because you're coming again to receive us one day into your loving arms and care. And for that, we give you praise. The body of Christ together said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord for a moment If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be all over the page today So some of this you may have to just read on the screen and follow along Don't forget to pick up your kids from children's church We are going to take up an offering. I did not forget We are going to take it up here in a little bit, here in just a few minutes at the end. But I wanted to get right into the message today. The way the song service was going and the way the worship was happening after the videos. and things. I didn't want to break. Not the worship. You can't worship when you give your offering. But I wanted to give us some time to to worship the Lord. The money will take care of itself. It will get there. One way or the other, it will get there. But I don't want anybody that may have to slip out to get to family engagements. I don't want them to miss the Easter message today. I don't want them to miss what God has to say. And we'll also, I'm going to preach fast because we're going to take communion together this morning and celebrate what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. And then at the end, we're going to do what good church folks know how to do. We're going to meet and greet. We haven't done it in a long time. We're going to just let them play Whatever they're playing at the time, we're going to let you, before we say the benedictive prayer, shake hands with one another, love phone somebody, high five them, tell them they look good. So many people have new outfits on. Some people wearing ties that I didn't even know own ties. Some people are wearing outfits I didn't even know they wore, they even owned. Some of y'all got nice outfits. After all, I didn't even know that. I always see y'all just casual around town. Y'all come, you know, look like you took a shower today. I'm impressed. You look good today. And uh, so we're going to just spend some time together and then we're going to let you out of here. You don't have church tonight, so you can spend a few minutes together and just saying hello. Don't forget, all those online, to download the Our Church app, follow us on our website, SantyCircleCog.org. Subscribe to our podcast to listen to the services. And uh, always, you can give multiple ways in-house or by mail, online or on the app as well. We're going to culminate towards the end of this Easter season. Over the next today and maybe next week, finishing up this idea of spoiler alert, Matthew chapter 28, once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house for the reading of God's word, and we're going to read a couple other gospels accounts, but it will be on your screen, so you don't have to flip to all of them, it was the end of the Sabbath, and as it was beginning to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came with the other Mary to the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came back and rolled the stone away from the door and sat upon him. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. He radiated the glory of God. For the fear of him that were the keepers did shake, and they stood as dead men. And the angel of the Lord answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. For He is risen. The most powerful three words that were ever uttered in all of Scripture was, It is finished. The second most powerful three words ever recorded in Scripture was, He is risen. Because He said it was finished, but He didn't die and die in vain. He is risen. And He is alive, alive, alive forevermore. And we can sing hallelujah because He is alive. He is risen. Just as He said, come. See the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before them into Galilee. There I shall see; you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher, and they fear and fifth fear and great joy, and did run to bring the word to his disciples. Here's Mark's version. Mark 16. Mark tells it a little different. It was a Sabbath day. It passed that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Siloam, they brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. It was early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, meaning it was daybreak. It was still dark outside. Some of y'all were with me this morning for sunrise service. It was dark out there. Then they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was already rolled away. See, God already goes before you. You don't even have to worry about it. God will go before you. It was rolled away, for it was very great. And they entered into the sepulcher. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were frightened. And he said unto them, Be not frightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. But he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Don't miss that. Peter's the guy that denied him three times. The last thing Peter remembers saying to Jesus was, I don't even know who you are. But isn't it just like God? Even when you don't know, any, when you tell him you don't want anything to do with him, he always knows where you are. Because Peter's living in denial. Peter's living in fear. Peter's living with guilt. But the Bible said, the angel of the Lord said, go tell the disciples. But make sure if anybody hears it, you make sure Peter knows that I'm alive. I'm coming for him. I'm alive. Amen. There you shall see him, and he will go with you. They went quickly and fled from the sepulcher, and they were, they were fearful. They trembled and were amazed. Neither did they say, uh, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now let's look at John chapter 20. This is the last one. It was the first day of the week. May Magdalene came, and it was still dark. So now we know it was pitch black dark when they left the house. And it was sunrise. The sun rose, if you will, on their journey. It was unto the sepulchre, and when it was yet dark the sepulchre, seeing the stone taken away from the sepulchre, then she run, and she came to Simon Peter, and the other disciple, John, whom Jesus loved, and said unto him, They have taken away the Lord from the sepulchre. We don't know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth, and the other disciple, and they came to the sepulchre, and they both ran together. And then the other disciple outran Peter. So Peter started out running first, then John catches him, then John passes him. When John gets there, he gets to the tomb first. He stopped. He stooped down and he looked inside, but he didn't go in. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and he went and knocked. But Simon followed him and he went all the way into the tomb. And He saw the linen cloth lying there and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes because it was wrapped together in a place all by itself. And when he went in, also... In The other disciple, John, finally went in. And when he came, which came first to the sepulchre, he saw. And when he saw it, he believed. For just a few moments, I want to talk to you on there's something going on in the graveyard. There's something going on in the graveyard. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, I... Help me to preach your unadulterated word. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay. Speak to my heart today. I pray that you would help bring our eyes and let them be open and our ears open to not only hear but to do what thus saith the word of the Lord. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus our Lord and the people of God together, said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. There's something going on in the graveyard. I want to set up this story, and then we're going to go on a little bit of a journey. It's been three days since Jesus has been deceased. Only one week ago, the streets of Jerusalem were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But what now are his followers to do? Disciples have fled. Disciples have lost hope. They have gone into seclusion and hiding. Countless others have lost their faith. Many are devastated by the recent events of the day that has unfolded. Boy, I just described the United States of America. (laughs) Two thousand, nearly two thousand years later, I just described the United States. People are in hiding. We call it quarantining these days. People are in hiding. People have lost hope. People are living in despair. People living in fear. People living in uncertainty. Every gospel writer that writes the story, all four of them, they tell their own version and variation of the same event known as the resurrection of the Lord on Easter Sunday morning or Easter morning. Though Matthew and John would have had first-hand encounter experiences because they were disciples, and Luke and John Mark, whose surname is Mark, where we get the book of Mark, were were a little bit younger, and they were, well, Luke was a doctor, and he had to get accounts from Peter's variation of the story, and Mark was, was a young teenager about the time Jesus was coming around, and so he... He would have probably just asked his mom and other people about it. He wouldn't have necessarily been a disciple directly of Jesus. So they're, they're getting interview accounts, but they all tell the same story with a little different twist in each one. You see, they all tell the same accuracy and authenticity of what took place. According to Matthew, we find there was a great earthquake that took place and an angel with the brightest of apparel rolled back a heavy stone. In Mark, we taught, we read that it was the daybreak. It was early in the morning. John tells us it was pitch black dark. He said they went and it was still dark outside. John didn't make us have to guess whether or not the sun was out. He told us it was dark when they went there. Luke tells his version as well of how the resurrection of the Lord unfolded. But to truly understand and to grapple with the the nugget of truth known as Easter Resurrection Morning. We first have to travel back in time to a couple of things that took place before the crucifixion. You see, according to various gospel writers, Jesus had prophesied that he would truly rise again. That was all throughout scripture. He foretold it. He said, just as Jonah is in the belly of the great fish for three days, so the Son of Man must lay in the heart of the earth three days. It was all throughout scripture. Even prophets of old prophesied he'd have to die and he'd have to be buried, but he wouldn't stay there. It was already told to them. He prophesied ahead of time. But all throughout his ministry, Jesus also gave us gave us a, a foreshadowing, if you will, of the things to come. And he gave us things that we could make connections with. See, I want you to understand this morning, to the best of my ability, that every time Jesus went into a cemetery, Or to a graveyard. He never left it the same way he entered into it. All throughout scripture. Every time Jesus went into the cemetery. Or to the graveyard. He didn't leave it the same way he entered into it. So when I come by to remind somebody this morning. Before I get into the crux of this message. It's simply this. Whatever you're going through. No matter if it seems to be dead and gone. Maybe your child's dead and gone. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. Maybe your job seems to be dead and gone. Maybe your marriage seems to be dead and gone. Maybe your finances seem to be dead and gone. I come by to remind somebody. But if you let Jesus walk into the cemeteries of your life. And walk into the dark places of your life. And walk into the tombs of your life. And you let him call you by name. He will not leave you the same way that you came to him this morning. You won't leave the same way you came today in Jesus' name. So how do, how do we know that? Well, there's a couple things I want to point out to you today. The first thing I want to point out to you is that He rose from the dead so that He could restore our families. How do I know this? Because I want to take you on a journey back to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we find a very unique story in the Bible. Luke tells us, being a doctor, Luke was a physician. Luke was amazed at the miracle, medical miracles of Jesus. The other gospel writers talk about feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000, feeding this one, feeding that one. Luke's like, no, no. That's a pretty cool trick that he did. Slide a hand, whatever you want to call it. I want to know how blind people can see. I want to know how deaf people can hear. I want to know how lame people can walk. I want to know how dumb people can talk. Can I tell you there are people living in this world today, they are blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are deaf to the preaching of God's word. And they are mute and don't want to speak the name of Jesus. And they are lame and pain from all of the hurts they have felt. But I've come by to tell somebody but when he calls you by name he'll open blinded eyes he'll set the captive free he'll proclaim liberty to those that need liberty he'll unstop deaf ears because when he walks into the scene he changes everything that's going on around him in that moment Luke was amazed at the miracles of Jesus that were medically induced this story Luke chapter 7 Jesus and his disciples have made a nice arduous journey from their previous assignment and they come to a city called Nain. When they get to Nain, as they enter into the city gates they are met by a funeral possession. It was obviously probably more likely later in the afternoon because the Jewish people had the funeral and the burial and everything on the same day. And as Jesus enters into the tomb, what he witnesses is coming out of the city gates Sister Delilah headed to the Resting place, the internment, the burial site, and, and today we would call it the going to the to the interment or going to to the cemetery or going to the graveside. We'd get in our cars in today's society. We'd follow that black hearse all the way to wherever the, in, the they're going to be laid to rest, and we'd be in a single file line in cars with the police stopping traffic, and we would drive to the they, that day they didn't have that. It was just a long line of walking, and so Jesus stops along the side of the road, and here comes the pallbearers carrying a coffin with a young man stiff as the board no life in him but right behind him there's a weeping older lady that we have come to know that she doesn't even have a husband because her husband has died she is known as the widow of name she has no husband and in that society They were a very misogynic society where it was a very male-dominant-run society. And and so females just didn't go out and get a job to self-sustain themselves. So when the husband died, the oldest son would have taken on that part. Except there's only one problem, Brother James. She only had one boy. Husbands died. He was gone. The son probably already was maybe working. Maybe he was in the family. Because once he turned 13, he would have had a bar mitzvah. He would have become a man. And he would have started learning the trade. He probably already been taking care of mama. Ain't nothing better you can do than take care of your mama. That's good preaching, even if it's not Mother's Day. Always take care of your mama. If mama ain't happy, ain't. Y'all are good preachers today. She has no husband, so her son's been her right-hand support system. Except the only problem is that's now taken from her. Because he's dead. So now she's going to end up being thrown into servanthood and thrown in with the paupers and the beggars and because there is no one else to take her own. And the Bible says, Brother Barnes, that something inside of Jesus couldn't let that be the case. Can I tell you, Jesus can't look at things but so long before He intervenes if you let Him. Now, He won't overstep His bounds, but there are certain times that Jesus is, uh, will say, enough's enough, can I just take it from here? Because as they take this coffin and they're leading this procession, there's a mother that is crying, she's not said a word. Nowhere in scripture do you find she looks up to Jesus and says, if you'd have come, he wouldn't be like this. If you would have have heard my prayer, no doubt she probably prayed when her boy was sick and was about to die. She probably did like any mother. She prayed, oh God, don't take my boy. Don't let my son die, please. But he didn't obviously hear her. But of course, she never looked up at Jesus and said, it's your fault. She never blamed him. She never got mad at him. She never accused him. In fact, she didn't even ask him to do anything. She didn't ask him to pay for the funeral fund to pay for the chicken. She didn't ask for nothing. She said nothing. The Bible says tears are a language God understands. And Jesus saw a broken heart and a broken and contrite spirit the Lord will not despise. And Jesus, as the possession is going by, I would have loved to have been there in that moment. But as the procession is going by, what she doesn't realize is that the city of Nain was on a hill. It was a hill city. What she didn't realize was in a couple months, there was going to be that same man standing beside her. He was going to go to a hill too. But he was going to die this time as a son. But he wasn't going to be in vain either because what Jesus did is he laid his hand and he stopped the pallbearers, Brother Chris, and he said, Wait a minute. And he looked down into that coffin and he touched that little boy. And he said, get up. And that boy sat up. And he was presented back to his mother. Now, the Bible, we know that Mary had Jesus and she had other sons and and daughters. And we we know that this mother, uh, the widow of Nain, might could have talked to Mary and explained to her. But what this woman at that funeral possession didn't realize is the man that just reached into that coffin and resurrected her only begotten son was the same man that was going to go to a different hill called Calvary. And when he died, he was going to be somebody's only son. And that only son would have to die. But once that son died, all of humanity would be able to be resurrected from their sin and resurrected from their guilt and resurrected from their past because when he cried it is finished he was going to eradicate sin once and for all that son was going to die so that I could live instead Jesus raised him up from that coffin and he restored to her that which she had lost that which was committed to her originally that she thought she'd never brother Larry see again She got again. She got to hold again. She got to love again. She was obviously hopeless. But she didn't realize that she was standing in the middle of a room where the giver of all hope was just a few feet away. Can I tell you, you may have walked in here this morning and you might be full of despair and agony. But can I tell you, you came to the right place on Easter Sunday. Because no matter what you're going through, just a few feet away, there is an all-sufficient loving Savior that came by this morning to tell you, whatsoever you need, I am here to meet that need. I am the God that will supply all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Whatever you have need of today, He's here to make sure He gives you anything and everything that you need. He restored to her her families. You see, Jeremiah 31 16 through 17 says this thus saith the Lord refrain your voice from weeping your eyes from tears For your work shall be rewarded says the Lord and your children shall come back to the land from the land of the enemy There is hope in your future says the Lord that your children will come back to their own dwelling place Can I tell you God will restore the things you thought you lost I've seen him restore marriages I've seen him restore broken homes, broken lives. I've seen him restore families. I've seen wayward sons and daughters come to the faith. I've seen mamas and daddies who've not talked to their kids in years make a phone call, and over time God begins to mend that relationship and they build that beautiful relationship back. God will bring the power of the resurrection is that there is a high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us that's working all things out for our good. And no matter what you're going through, Jesus cares about your family. He cares about your lost son and daughter. He cares about your wayward grandchild. He cares about your unsaved spouse. He wants me to remind you this morning that he died but he resurrected to tell you that he can save your son and he can save your daughter and he can save your spouse and he can save your family and he can save your marriage anything that's a part of your family structure God can restore anything that you've lost if you commit it back to his care Proverbs 22 and 6 train up a child in the way they should go when he's old they won't depart He cares about our loved ones but Jesus also died So that he could reconnect relationships. Missing friendships. There's nothing more sad than when you've been friends with someone for many, many years. And whether it's a product of life or whatever it may be. Towards the plan. And you end up going years and years and years never to talk again. Maybe you reconnect eventually. But maybe you don't ever reconnect. But can I tell you that. If you've ever been in a situation where you thought, well, I had a friend and we had a falling out. and You know, we just never fixed it and it's just been bad ever since. Can I tell you, Jesus died for that too. You how I know? Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 tells me this story. There was a certain man. that was really good friends and he was a friend and confidant of Jesus. His name was Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick. Lazarus gets so sick the doctor says he's going to die. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, summon for Jesus. They say, "You need to come, and you need to come quickly. You don't have time. It's going to be like calling the preacher. We're on the way to the hospital. They say things don't look good. We need you to come. They Don't, don't, don't wait and don't go back. On, don't go on vacation. Stay two more days. Finish your vacation. Come on now. They summon for him. Now, if you read this story at face value, you almost want to get mad at Jesus. Because the Bible said once he found out about it, he didn't do nothing. In fact, he delayed going. Now, in today's society, we would never in a million years think you should ever, if someone calls us with an emergency, we should just take our time to get there. They want you to come for a reason. Jesus, they give him the word. He's sick unto death. Jesus said, okay, well, thanks for letting me know. And he stayed two more days where he was at. He didn't move. The Bible says that When that took place, that after day two, Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep. We need to go wake him up. To which his disciples said, we're going to walk all the way. That's a long walk, Jesus. We're walking all the way over there because he's taking an afternoon siesta. Why can't his sisters wake him up? Why do we have to go wake him up? Let him wake up from his own nap. To which Jesus had to very plainly say, no, he's dead, y'all. He's dead. They get to the outer skirts of Bethany townspeople run and tell Mary and Martha Jesus is there. Martha runs out to him crying. Same one that fusses at him for not making Mary get up from the floor and all that kind of thing. She says to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. We called for you. We paged you. We called the church office. We called the secretary. We called your mama. We called your wife. We called your grandkid. We called everybody looking for your cell phone number. We called Jesus for you. I remember a couple weeks ago, this was before I put this message together. I was doing something. I didn't even remember what I was doing. Uh, But for whatever it was, I didn't have my phone on me. It was sitting outside or in the car or whatever it was. I wasn't paying attention. My mother was trying to find me. She couldn't get a hold of me. So she calls Brianna. And she calls Miss Carol. And she calls anybody else she could think of that might be my boss and know where I'm at for the day to look for me. So both of them called me and said, your mama's looking for you. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So I called my mom back. She's like, well, I had to call Brandon and Miss Carol. Why didn't you answer your phone? I was like, um, I didn't see it. It kind of Martha probably felt a little bit like that. Jesus, I called everybody trying to find you, and you didn't do nothing. It's too late. He's dead. Ain't nothing you can do about it now. Jesus, he's dead. We We already called a preacher, and he's already done a really nice eulogy. The ladies of the church already fixed us a repast. I mean, we've already had so much fried chicken and ham, we can't even eat, uh, begin to even think about food anymore. We've already had the repast. In fact, Jesus, it's been so long. It's been four days. It's been so long. That man has been, the dirt has already hardened from where he's laying in the ground. Mary hears Jesus there. She runs out. You know what she says? If you'd had been here, my brother wouldn't have died, Jesus. Jesus said, do you believe, Martha? Do you believe, do y'all believe? And they were like, yeah, we know the resurrection. Yeah, we know the story. Yeah, we, one day he'll get up. Jesus said, just believe. Now, let's be real. How many people have ever went to a funeral service expecting a person in the coffin to get up? Anybody? We had no takers on that. Next time you go to a funeral, just think somebody's going to get up from the coffin and see how well that goes. It will freak out a funeral. It will me- If the person in the, in, the, in the casket gets up, it messes up the funeral pretty bad. You can't have a good funeral if the dead people aren't dead no more. It's hard to have a good funeral. But you know what I did learn? If the dead person gets up, we can have multiple funerals because everybody else in the crowd probably will be dead. So we'll just have more chicken for everybody. Right? He gets to the tomb. He tells them to roll a stone. They say, whoa, whoa, don't roll back that stone. See, you do understand, Jesus. That brother man is stank. He ain't took a shower in a while. He is rotten he smells. Don't you do it. She said, "Move the stone." And the most, what I think, one of the most powerful scriptures ever uttered in scripture is in John eleven thirty-five. Two words: Jesus wept. Because what that scripture told me in that moment is Jesus' heart is moved when my heart is broken. The things that break my heart also moves the hand and the heart of God. Because Jesus wasn't worried about. It. He wasn't crying because he thought he couldn't get him up. No, he knew he could get him up. He was crying because he saw the hurts of everyone around him, and he felt their pain, and, he felt, and the humanity side of him felt the grip, the grip of that pain inside of his heart. I don't want to ask you this morning how many of you have ever experienced that, but many of us, if we were to tell the truth, there have been times in our lives where we have felt pain, we have felt tragedy, we have felt hurt, and our hearts have felt like it was beating out of our chest, or somebody was just stomping on us, or they sometimes even felt like it was ripped out of our chest, and we didn't even get a vote. What was happening? Bible says he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He better make sure he said, Lazarus. Well, if he just said, come forth, we'd have really messed up a lot of funerals that day. Because everybody that ever had been dead before would have got and come to. And that would have really freaked some people out. He calls him out. Restores him to his family. But restores that friendship. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, the reason Jesus died on the cross is not only to restore our families, but it was for us to make things right with other people. We have got to make things right with other people. Sometimes, you can't, listen, I'm just going to be frank with you, you cannot go to heaven if you can't speak to the person in the next aisle across from you. You ain't going to the same heaven I'm going to. You just can't. you got to make things right. If you've got to alt with your brother, the Bible says if you've got to alt with your brother, don't come to the altar and make your gift and give it to the Lord and try to cry out. Oh, it says leave your gift at the altar. Go back and find your brother or sister in need make it right with them and then come back and present your offering unto the Lord because God's not going to accept it if you don't make sure you're right with other people. See, God brings us back together. He resurrected so that all those people that I don't talk to anymore and all those people that I have said mean things about or I have slandered or I have gossiped or I have uh, uh, backbited them or whatever I may have done, that God wants us to make things right with them. Because the Bible says that you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven with bitterness. You have oughts against your brother and your sister. You have to get them under the blood and get them Right? You say, Pastor, what are you saying? i got to go home and call that person? No, I'm not saying that, but you better make sure you and God come to an understanding that you don't hold anything to their charge. You better make sure it's right. So he died for the connection of relationships. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 said, Death, where is thy sting grave? Where is the victory? Thirdly, Jesus also resurrected so that we have the power to resist the foe. Because how can we resist the devil if nobody's ever defeated him? Come on. You can't beat some, it's kind of hard to resist the devil and him flee from you if we don't have a rubric to follow how to get him to flee from us. But the Bible tells us in Matthew that when the devil tried to tempt Jesus with three different things, Jesus three different times quoted Scripture and resisted the temptation of the devil. The Bible tells us that Jude, the, the devil entered into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. And Judas was the pawn, if you will, of, of the devil's work to try to destroy the destroy Jesus and destroy this gospel message. And we know that the devil probably based on the account of Psalms and other scriptural scriptural writings that the hell was probably having a field day once Jesus was dead they probably thought we've done it we've got him we've killed him he's in the heart of the earth we'll silence the message after so long people will forget all about him people won't even remember anymore but can I tell you you could try to put him in a box and you could try to put him in a tomb but you can't keep him there very long the Israelites in the book of Exodus and Numbers they put him in an ark called the Ark of the Covenant they put the Ten Commandments in they put the manna in they put the budding rod of Aaron in and that represented the presence of the Lord but that only lasted so long because one day a year the Bible said that the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd pour a blood sacrifice over what was called the mercy seat see when grace and mercy walks into the room Brother James something changes in the atmosphere and the Bible said that the glory of the Lord would come into that inner Holy of Holies and it would sit on top of that mercy seat and the smoke would enter into the room and if the priest was living in any way in any sense They could stay He dropped dead On impact Because the holiness Of God Boy if people Really believed God was still A holy God They wouldn't come To church any old way Because they'd be afraid They'd drop dead On the carpet But I come by To tell you God's still a holy God And God's still A righteous God And when he comes Into the room Everything around it Has to change And they tried To put him in a box They took When Jesus went Into the to the temple He saw the doves Sitting over there in the money changer Station in a box But he had to say him free because the dove represented the spirit of the Lord. You can't put the Holy Ghost in a box. You can't tell him when to speak. You can't tell him when to shut up. You can't tell him when to stand. And you can't tell him when to sit. You better let God have free reign in your life and in your your heart because God is not confined to a box. And when they tried to, they tried to put him in a tomb. They tried to put a big stone so he couldn't get out. They even stationed guards to stop any foul play. The goal was every way, every I dot, every T cross, do not let him even be remotely thought of that he got out of that place. Jesus goes, we know in Mark chapter 5, and Mark chapter 8, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it. Jesus is going across on a boat to the, Genesarans region, the Gardenian region, and in that Garden Gardenian region and the garrison, as soon as he gets out of a boat in Mark chapter five and in Luke chapter eight, as soon as his feet step onto pavement, he is confronted with a demoniac. We talked about a few weeks ago, and who's talking to who? Or who's asking who? You know the story. He said, "Jesus, don't torture me." And, you "Know we are legion for we are many." And all that, but don't miss the first part of the story. Read where he came from. The Bible said out from the tombs came a man possessed by evil spirits. Go back and read it. He came out of the cemetery. See I told you something's going on in the graveyard. When Jesus walks into the cemetery something's going to change in the atmosphere. And he we know the story. I already talked to you about it a couple of weeks ago, but you know the story. He, he he cast out the demons, and the guy was sitting in his right mind. But but I began to think about it. You so, said, well, Pastor, how does that go with resisting our foes? Well, first of all, the devil was talking to Jesus because he said, we are legion, for we are many. So Jesus and the devil, first of all, had a conversation. But I believe, Sister Bueller, there probably was a point the man had to have a mom, a dad, a family. He probably had a family. But now he's become the embarrassment of the family. Nobody's going to the cemetery to say, that's my boy sitting out there cutting himself open with rocks and getting high as a kite and doing all these drugs and being drunk and crazy. I'm, I, nobody was going and pointing out, yeah, let me go introduce you to my son. Oh, that, yeah, I'd love to meet him. Said, yeah, we got to go down to the cemetery. He lives out there. Nobody wanted to take people out there to meet their family. So he probably was an embarrassment to his family. And then he moved quickly. 1 John 5 and 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our faith. It's just simply trusting in what he's done. When the townspeople get out there, they see a man that used to be a crazy man sitting in his right mind, clothed in full dignity, carrying on an intelligent conversation with Jesus. Such a change of scenery in the cemetery. See, can I tell you this morning, when you talk about resisting our foes, you know why Jesus resurrected? For this simple reason. Isaiah 54 and 17. I couldn't have said it better myself. This is what Easter teaches us today. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, God will condemn. The heritage This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is from God can I tell you the enemy might come in but like a flood God will raise a standard against him and the enemy might try to do whatever he wants to but the power of the resurrected Christ simply tells me that you can't put Jesus in a box and the devil couldn't contain him hell couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him so that tells me that if I belong to Jesus hell can come my way and they can try to put me in the box but even if I die I die but I belong to the Lord to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord can I tell you that hell may come my way and come nigh my dwelling but if God be for me who's going to be against me and then finally Miss Carol as you make your way one more point of emphasis Jesus also died so that we always remember those who have been forgotten about so you know what the most powerful one of the most powerful things about the ministry of Jesus Jesus always went to the people nobody else wanted to deal with he went to lepers, prostitutes, unclean spirits. Jesus always went to the people that were the outcasts, the forgotten about. the We don't want them to come to our church. We don't want them to be a part of our family ministry team. We don't want people to know they go with us people. Jesus went to the highways and byways and compelled them to come. See, Jesus has always never met someone and just brushed them off as nobody. He always remembered the forgotten when he was walking through the city gates near Jerusalem. And somebody started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He stopped at what he was doing to hear the cries of a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus because everybody else had forgotten about him and said, shut up, you old man. You're a beggar and nobody's got time for you. But Jesus said, I do. I got time for him. See, the world might have forgotten all about you, your job, you might not have got that promotion, your, your marriage might be in shambles, your children might be driving you nuts, you may not even like the church you go to, I, I don't know, you might just be faced with all kinds of plethora of problems and, and issues going on, but can I tell you, even when you feel like you're on an island all by yourself, and everybody else has turned their back on you, there's one sin in heaven that says, I know exactly where you are, and I know what you're going through, and I'm there for you, all you have to do is call me, I'm as close as the mention of my name. Because in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 27, the most beautiful thing happens. Craziest story probably in the Bible, but still pretty cool nonetheless. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is on the cross. He's dying. The Bible said, only in Matthew's account, no other gospel says this except Matthew. But pretty moment it says, when Jesus said, it is finished, there was a great earthquake. Now, I haven't forgotten the message. Something's going on in the graveyard. Everybody else is either standing at the cross, laughing and cheering, hoping he dies. Or the rest of society that believed in Jesus were at home, locked up like Fort Knox, praying to God. Nobody knew they were in there because they didn't want to be caught and be crucified. So you had the Christian folks in quarantine. Hello. Boy, that's good preaching, isn't it, Brother James? That's good preaching. You got all the people say they have faith in God, but they locked up at home. And the world's out doing what they want to do. Boy, that that sounds a lot like today, don't it? That's good preaching. Church people staying home, the world living life like nothing's ever happened. Hello. Jesus said it is finished. Church people still at home, locked up, don't want nobody to know. World's living life, some of them standing at the cross. Ha <laughs> ha! You know, earthquake happens, but don't miss what Matthew said. Something happened in a graveyard. Because in Matthew 27, the Bible said. In fact, let me just if you just give me 30 seconds. I just want to read it. I don't want to misquote it. I want to. I want you to see. What happens it's it's incredible once you see how this happened You remember don't don't miss don't lose the fact that the church people are home they're not even having a good holy ghost filled service praying he's gonna make it they're not having an all-night prayer vigil oh god please let something happen no they just gave up i could preach on that for a while too we stop we we stop a lot in our prayers we give up on god way too quick sometimes and the world standing at the cross going, "Yahoo, we got him." And nobody re- recognizes the phenomenon that takes place in Matthew 27. Watch this. Behold the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom and the earthquake and the rocks were split. Verse 52. And the graves of many were opened. And the bodies of the saints which had fallen asleep in death were raised coming out of their graves after the his resurrection and they went into the holy city proclaiming the goodness of the Lord dead people got up and told the story even if God has to resurrect other dead people he's going to make sure the message gets out if we won't serve him if we won't proclaim him if we won't tell the world he's alive he'll raise dead people out of the ashes if he has to but he's going to make sure this world knows that he's alive he opened the graves, he resurrects, he brings other people out of the ground with him and they go tell the gospel message. That's a good way to believe in Jesus when dead people start talking to you. I'd be a believer too if dead people came to my house and told me something. I might be dead too, but I'd be like, whoa, I believe you, I believe you. He brought dead people out. What are you saying to me, preacher? I'm saying as I came by to tell somebody this morning, God has not forgotten you either. If he's called those dead people out of their sins and he called those people even back in nearly 2,000 years ago out of the graves of their lives. Whatever it is you're going through, God has, even if the church has abandoned you, families abandoned you, I've abandoned you, others have abandoned you. I come by to tell somebody the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection is to let you know he has never forgotten you. He knows exactly what you're going through and he knows what you have need of and you can leave this Easter Sunday knowing that God came by today to tell you, I got you. I got you, because He is alive, and He is alive forevermore. Death is swallowed up in victory. For just like we were, Romans 6 tells us, just like we were, just like we were united with Him in death, we will certainly be united with Him in resurrection. See, Easter is not a day of just egg hunts, new outfits, food, and fellowship. It is a special day to commemorate, celebrate, and concentrate on the power of the resurrected Christ and the benefits that he brings. In fact, as we get ready to take communion, I'm going to ask Brother Andrew and Brother Randy if they would go ahead and pass these out for me. If you feel comfortable taking it, please do so. If you don't, there's no judgment here on that. but We'd like for you to take that with us. If you gentlemen will pass that out to them. As they're passing it out, let me say this to you. There was an old Jewish tradition. When you went to somebody's house and you were a guest of honor and they sat you at the table, they would give you a linen napkin or cloth. And if you had to be excused for some reason, whether it's you to run the restroom or you needed to step out for a minute, you would do something special with your napkin. If you were finished with your plate. And you were done. You weren't coming back. You were done eating. You were going home. You would take that napkin and you would wad it. And a ball and just throw it on top of the plate. That let the servants and the host know I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not coming back. But if you had to go to the restroom or step out but you had every intention to come back whether it was the eat or still fellowship what you did is you'd stand up from the table and you would fold that napkin into a square you'd fold it and you'd lay it on your seat or right against the edge of your plate to let the host know I'm coming back I'm coming back so if you want it you're done I'm leaving I'm done but if you had plans or intentions of coming back you fold it sure everyone gets something today now remember what I just said you want it you're done you fold it you're coming back Ted I don't know if we still have John in that scripture but if you'll put it back on verse number seven John 20 and seven watch what I just said the tradition was in Jewish culture I wad the napkin and throw it on the plate if I'm done and don't have any intention of returning I fold it in a square, and I lay it down in the seat or the chair to let you know I have to step out for a minute, but I'm coming back. And the napkin, that was about his head, was not lying with the other dead clothes. Why, why didn't he just, he, he was laying down, why didn't he just take the napkin off his head and just ball it up though throw it with the other clothes? Because you missed the moment. He wrapped it together in a place All by itself. You know that word? When you look up in the Greek, that word "wrap" means he folded the napkin. What I tell you, it meant a folded napkin meant I have to step out for a minute. But I'm coming back. Can I tell you this morning the reason he left it? He was letting us know the grave was not the final end of the story. Even though he was resurrected, it wasn't finished. That was just the beginning of the story. But he folded the napkin and put it all by himself so that anybody that was of Jewish descent came by and saw that tomb and saw that napkin laying to the side. He was saying, I may have to go for a little while and I may not be back for a little while, but don't you worry. I'm coming back again. I'm coming back. Don't take the table, don't get out of the way. Just hold on a little bit longer. I'm coming back. Can I tell you? That's the power of Easter Sunday. Is that one day he's coming back again. He's coming back again. But he gave us an instruction. He said, even when I leave, don't forget about what I did. The Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians and Jesus told us out. Throughout the Gospels, he said, just because I'm gone, do not forget about me. Don't forget about me. The Scripture said that on that same night, he he had bread and he had wine and he tore and he had bread that he broke. He said, this is my body. Represents the covenant that's going to be broken and shed for you to save you and to redeem you. As often as you do it, you do it in remembrance of me And so today we come today Because we want to leave this Easter Sunday Not forgetting why we celebrate Easter Easter eggs are great And dying them are fun And food and fellowship is great But Jesus is alive is the reason we're here today That's why we're here Father we pray that if there be any un, Any wickedness Or anything unholy in our hearts You would bring them to our attention now So that we don't take this unworthily We ask you to bless this bread as we take it in remembrance of you let us not leave this Easter season without commemorating what Calvary stood for the grave represented and what you're going to do when you return again as we do this in remembrance of you in Jesus name will you take the body of Christ this morning on the same night the Bible said he had a cup of wine represent the new covenant He told them this is the blood that I will shed for you and as often as you drink you do it in remembrance of me now we don't believe that transubstantiation we don't believe it changes to the real blood of Jesus it's just grape juice but it does let us know he had to die so that I could live one man's death brought another man's life it brought me life So we take this cup and remember, Father, we pray today that this cup would remind us what you have done for us as we celebrate the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Will you take the cup this morning? Father, we commemorate the shedding of your blood, the brokenness of your body, and we celebrate you live, and you live forevermore. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, And the body of Christ, said, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Andrew if he'll come this morning. Stand here with me for just a moment. We're going to do something a little unique. We always sing the blessing. We're going to have Miss Carol segue to that. As we sing the blessing this morning, where the Lord may bless you and keep you, and his face should be gracious and shine upon you. Let me say to you, our proclamation of the church, we always say, and this is my prayer to you, that, that the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. But as we sing this song this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to bring your tithes and offerings here this morning. First, if you need some assistance, we'll come to you. But when you get done, the Bible said that the same night that Jesus did all this, he sang a hymn. and. But I believe today that Easter is a time to celebrate. We celebrate what Jesus did. And so many of you look so festive today. You look so beautiful. There's places out there to take pictures. I mean, you just, you look, you just, some of you, some of y'all put your best foot forward today. You look good. So after we pray over this offering real quick and sing this song, we want you to bring your tithes and offerings. But before you leave, I want you to find five people that you don't sit beside. So not your husband or your wife or your friend. Five people you don't normally sit beside or see. I want you to go up. You don't know their name? Introduce yourself. If you do know their name tell them because they may not remember your name. So tell them your name anyway. But Introduce yourself and just tell them they look good. Tell them they smell good. Tell them you appreciate them taking a bath. I don't care what you tell them. Just make them feel good today. And then after that you can feel free to be dismissed. Let's stand all over the house. We're going to pray. After this prayer you can bring your offering and then you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. We pray you bless us and keep us, and your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace. And God, we ask that you would bless this offering. Bless those that have to give, those that don't have to give. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. In the body of Christ together, say Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. You can come. Make your face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord.